The Cal Halbert Podcast. Hiya friends, thank you for downloading this week's episode of the Cal Halbert Podcast. This week I got to chat to the hilarious Lost Voice Guy. He's a very good friend of mine and we've been gigging all over the country for years together. And you probably best know Lee uh, as, well, as Lost Voice Guy and the winner of Britain's Got Talent. He's absolutely hilarious and I hope you enjoy this podcast. So, here we go. The Cal Halbert Podcast. Well, I'm very pleased to say that on the podcast today, I've got my very good friend, the very, very funny Lost Voice Guy. Hi, Lost Voice Guy. How are you? I'm good, thanks. Thanks for inviting me. Oh, no, thank you very much for doing it. It's uh, it's very much your time that's more expensive than mine, are you? Oh, I'm free. I'm absolutely free. Lee, I'm going to call you Lee, even though it's Lost Voice Guy. I'm going to call you Lee because I feel it a bit weird, although it does feel a bit weird to say like, in the same way that I probably would call George Clooney, George Clooney. I'd never call him George. So I'm going to call you Lee rather than Lost Voice Guy. Is that, is that all good with you? That's fine with me. <laughs> Excellent stuff. Right. Uh, we best know you as the winner of Britain's Got Talent, uh, but way, way back... You are a stand-up comedian, and so what got you into uh, doing stand-up comedy? I did watch a lot of comedy when I was growing up. I think I was probably about 13 years old when I first started watching it properly. Some of my favourite memories are of watching the likes of Jack D and Lee Evans on TV as a kid and laughing my head off. The two are very different comedians. Lee is loud and energetic and Jack is laid-back and deadpan, but I like both of them because they're each bringing something very distinctive to the stage. Lee Evans is a master of using his body language to enhance his act. When I used to watch him, it wasn't just the jokes that made me roll around the floor laughing, it was his facial expressions and that he used to run around the stage at 100 miles per hour. He was a comedy whirlwind. Years later, his style was to influence me a lot when I started my stand-up career. He made me realize that comedy isn't just about words. Mm. It's about having a big stage presence too. Of course, I watched a lot of comedy on television as well. Yeah. Everything from bottom to spitting image to Father Ted, and loads of other stuff in between. But my absolute favourite show has always been The League of Gentlemen. Yes. I still think it's a masterpiece of comedy, and definitely helps explain my twisted sense of (laughs) humour. I think I like the fact that they were making jokes out of stuff that was a bit weird and left field. That was probably my introduction to the darker side of comedy. I didn't know it existed up until that point. So they opened my eyes to a whole new world. For the first time I got the impression that anything could be joked about if handled in the right way and I loved it. And I've always enjoyed making other people laugh. It just made me feel really good. I suppose my dream job was to be a comedian, but because of my disability, I just never considered that it was possible. Mm. Anyway, it eventually came about because my mate thought it would work well. Of course, 
I thought he was crazy, but the idea <laughs> stuck in the back of my head. Eventually, a few months later, I decided to give it a try because I knew I'd regret it if I didn't. Yeah, yeah. It turns out my mate was right. It's just grown from there, really. I've only been doing it for seven years, wow. but I've already done so much. Mm -hmm. It's still a bit breathtaking, really. Yeah, it, it's, it is really, really amazing. And that I, I know you, you mentioned Lee Evans just before. There are stories of that I've heard people backstage working techies and stuff of, uh, of Lee Evans' show. And uh, obviously the interval, he used to have to have an interval to change his suit because he sweated that much. <laughs> and they say they'd just be like bags of different suits and towels and stuff just because he'd just, it'd just be drenched everywhere. I bet you'd get loads for those suits on eBay. <laughs> Yeah, some dirty old perv. Did I just want it? <laughs> wanted some soaking wet suits? <laughs> Lee, where was your first gig that you went for? So you said that your friend, uh, you said your friend um, had said, oh, you should do it, and, and you had a go. So where was that first gig? My first gig was in Sunderland, which was an experience in itself. <laughs> to be honest, I was very nervous beforehand because I just didn't know how it would go. I was worried that people wouldn't be able to understand me and that I'd just be standing there telling jokes to myself. But once my first few jokes were out of the way, I began to relax and enjoy myself a bit more. It just felt so great to be standing up on that stage and having people laugh at stuff that I'd written myself. By the time I walked off stage, I didn't want it to end at all. I was on a massive hide for the rest of that night. In fact, I didn't get any sleep that night because I was still so excited about what had just happened. Yeah. In that moment, I knew that I wanted to be a stand-up comedian and I couldn't wait to get up on that stage again. There's something about that buzz of making people laugh that is just there's it's second to none, isn't it? You just you go on, you make making bit. Not that I would know. I never make anyone laugh. So it's <laughs> I, I usually have a lot of silence, Lee. Uh, but <laughs> if you do get that butt like that that huge laughter, that round of applause, all that sort of stuff, you there there's a buzz, nothing like it. And and until you've done that. You just you'll never understand what it's like. It, it is like a drug, isn't it? You just get addicted to it. Um, why did you choose to use a stage name rather than your 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 actual name? Because you used Lost Voice Guy. So so what was it that made you go? I'm I'm going to use a stage name. The main reason that I chose a stage name was so I would stand out from the crowd of all the other new comedians. Yeah. When I was just starting out. I thought it would make me more memorable, mm. but you'd be surprised at the many variations of that name <laughs> that I have called. People have called me all sorts. From no voice boy, to misplaced voice man, to the guy with no voice. But I do think it's important to deal with the elephant in the room early on in my set to make the audience feel more comfortable with a disabled bloke on stage. <laughs> That's why I always try to start my sets with some quick fire gags about my disability. Mm. I find it relaxes the audience and they enjoy the show more. 
Yeah, it must be quite a, a difficult thing to, to go on because although loads of people are like, we've gotten to an age where people be like, oh, well, well, we shouldn't laugh at the disabled man. You know, we shouldn't laugh at that, even though they're very prim and proper. So it must be a really awkward feeling the first few minutes as people go on and you start there thinking, no, no, I can do it. I am funny, like. <laughs> Some people have thought I'm just a character act as well. <laughs> <laughs> You're going methodly. That's what's happening. <laughs> Tell me a bit about Britain's Got Talent. Obviously, I'm I'm a member of the Got Talent family. Not bitter, not bitter, but uh, I'm in that group. <laughs> Tell me a bit about that. Did you apply? Were you asked to go on the show? Because I mean, it used to be a bit of a secret, didn't it? That they go, mm, actually, we do headhunt people as well. But it's kind of well known now. So, so tell me a bit about that. It was my agent who suggested doing it, and I didn't like the idea at all at first. Of course. I just didn't see it as a route I wanted to go down. Comedians used to think that Britain's Got Talent were three dirty words that should (laughs) never be spoken, and looked down their noses at it. Yeah. And I was one of them. (laughs) This was watered down entertainment for the masses, and we were all too cool for that. I was very wary of getting known as the bloke off Britain's Got Talent. And, yes, I'm now fully aware that I'd always be that Mm. bloke who won Britain's Got Talent. (laughs) Another thing that bothered me was that I'd have to tone down my jokes if I was going to tell them on television before the watershed in front of millions of families eating their tea. And the southerners eating their dinner. My sense of humour is really dark at times, and I fucking love swearing. (laughs) That's just the sort of person I am. But, when you've been doing comedy for as long as I have, you begin to realise that the opportunities for real television exposure are few and far between. And Britain's Got Talent gets millions of viewers every week. So, to me, it began to make sense from that point of view. I knew that however well I did on the programme, even if I made just one appearance, the level of exposure I would get could only be a good thing. Another thing I was genuinely scared about was being judged by my peers for doing the show. Yeah. I was worried that they might think less of me for selling out. We all wear the slog of the comedy circuit like a badge of honour. <laughs> From the periphery, hands pressed up against the glass, prime time TV looks like a walk in the park by comparison. This bothered me so much that I didn't even mention to my mates on a circuit that I'd auditioned for the programme until my episode had dared on television. Yeah. In hindsight, I was being a complete idiot. The comedy circuit has been nothing but supportive of me since my first gig, and I was blown away by all the kind words and messages I received from other comedians after they had seen me on the show. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There was this bitter taste about Britain's Got Talent and stuff. And even I, even though I had done the show, uh, me and Alfie Joey did the Mimic Men, and 
I don't think I would have gone on as a stand-up. I just don't think I would have done it. But because I was doing impressions and stuff, it was it was that variety act sort of style. And you're absolutely right. There was this kind of hangover on the comedy circuit of it being, oh, you don't want to go on there as a comic. You don't know how they'll edit you and your stuff. And you go, well, turns out, right, if you're good... They can't edit it so you look bad, right? <laughs> that's, that's, that's really what happens. And I think that the likes of yourself have really, well, not only by winning it, but like paved the way for other comics to go, yeah, yeah, I, I can do Britain's Got Talent. It, is, it isn't a, 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 a dirty show, so to speak, to, for, for show business. Did you ever think that you would be the winner? I know you said you were a bit hesitant about going onto the show, but did you ever think that you, you, you'd be the winner? If I am being completely honest, I only thought I might win it when it got down to the final three. Before then, I wasn't really that bothered. I think this helped me because it took the pressure off me a little bit. Yeah. I had no expectations of winning the show, so I wasn't getting stressed out by it. I just saw it as a bit of a laugh. And I don't think I would have been that disappointed if I hadn't gone out in the semi-finals. I was just doing it for the experience mostly. Obviously, by the day of the final, I had already spent all the prize money in my head, though. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there is things... I bet even when you people that are applying for the show, they're putting in the application, they're going... Yeah, I could do with a new kitchen like that. That's 50 grand gone. <laughs> I mean, you say that you've been happy to go out in the semi finals. I mean, I would have liked to got to the semi finals. <laughs> Not bitter, though. Not bitter. Never mind. Well, <laughs> obviously, the, the prize money is, is one of the prizes. But to me, um, and it, it's, I'm not saying this tongue in cheek. To me, the more important prize, if if I were to win, was to do the Royal Variety, um, because I mean I'm old school show business, Lee. I, I like a bit of uh, I like a bit of Royal Variety. So uh, tell me a bit about that. Speak for yourself. <laughs> it was an amazing experience to do the Royal Variety performance. I still can't really believe that I actually did it. Yeah. When I first started stand-up comedy seven years ago, I never expected to be telling mm. jokes to the royal family. <laughs> so I'm proud that I got to do that. It was a very special moment. Of course I was nervous. I think anyone would be nervous performing for royalty. Of course. The rest of the line-up was really good as well. So I had a lot to live up to. I'm just glad that I didn't press the wrong button and swear in front of Harry and Meghan. <laughs> Although, you never know, it's, I think it's fair game now. They're not, they're not proper royalty anymore, are they? I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what the procedure is with those guys now. You probably can tell them to fuck off. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> have, you, uh, have you stayed in contact with the likes of Simon Cowell and the other judges? David Walliams came to see my show in Edinburgh once. And that was very distracting because he can't exactly hide in the crowd. Yeah, of course. He's a huge bloke as well, isn't he? He's massive. And it, that must be really, really difficult in that people are coming to see your show, 
but they're all going to be sat there going, oh, dear, David Williams is over there. And they're just going to be staring at all other audience members. It must be a right nightmare. So you mentioned before a little bit about uh, the League of Gentlemen and Jack D and Lee Evans that were, that were making you laugh. And you mentioned the League of Gentlemen helping you, your dark sense of humour. Tell me a bit about your, your comedy influences and, and how you go about writing. As I've said, I adore the League of Gentlemen. I think the gents helped to show me that being difficult was definitely an advantage when it came to being funny. They helped me view my life in a completely different way. Suddenly my various quirks was something I could laugh at rather than be self-conscious about. After all, I do quite enjoy knowing that an audience isn't entirely comfortable. I think it's a very powerful position to be in. But I'm also a huge fan of Ross Noble. Mm. I just love how quick-witted and random he can be. And he has been a massive help to me. Not only did he invite me to warm up for him at one of his Newcastle gigs, he has also been very helpful with advice and things like that. So I owe him a lot, both as a fan and as a performer. But, if I'm honest, I'm far too lazy to have any sort of writing process in place. (laughs) I wish I was more disciplined in that respect, but I'm not. Basically, I just write ideas down for jokes when I have them and then try to develop them when I have more time. Mm -hmm. Obviously, the joke writing process is a bit difficult for me. The main problem is trying to get my iPad to say things correctly. <laughs> For example, it can't say iPad, so I have to spell it a different way. I also have to put random punctuation in the middle of sentences so that it breaks it up and makes it easier to understand. Of course, yeah. So, once I write my material, I usually have to go through it again and check that it's Sounds okay, there has been times when I have had to change my jokes just because it doesn't sound right. Does that ever annoy you, though? Because you, you've had to change your joke so it sounds uh, so it sounds right on the iPad, but you're sitting there, that's not how it's supposed to go. You know? <laughs> it's like that, the joke would be better by this way. <laughs> All the time. I've thought about just doing it anyway and just blaming the audience for not listening. <laughs> I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Tell me a bit about your uh, Radio 4 sitcom. It's called Ability, I, I believe. Uh, so, and how have you found of recording it since the, since the pandemic? Ability is a sitcom about a disabled bloke who can't speak who sometimes uses his disability to his advantage and can be a bit of a dick at times. <laughs> so obviously it's purely fictional. <laughs> he shares that with his best mate Jess, who he also fancies, and he has a very dodgy carer called Bob. <laughs> Together they get up to quite a lot of mischief. In past episodes, They have decided to become drug dealers just to see if they could get away with it. (laughs) And set up a robot sex line to make a bit of money from lonely old men. (laughs) You can expect more of this sort of thing in the third series too. Obviously, because of the pandemic, 
we had to record this series from our own homes, mm -hmm. which was very strange. It's just not as fun when you're not in the same studio as everyone else. Yeah. And because all of the cast get on really well, I miss chatting to them over lunch and things. But it was still nice to see them through a screen. On a positive note, at least I didn't have to get dressed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm wearing a shirt and tie here, but I've got nothing on underneath. There's <laughs> waist down, I'm starkers. There's nothing. <laughs> that is one of the positives, isn't it? Where you're going through through work and you're going, oh well. I've got to be honest. The first lockdown, it did make me feel a lot less guilty about my distinct lack of work. So <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, no one else is working. That's all right. <laughs> But now it's getting to the point where it's quite um, it's quite concerning that we're going to have to completely adapt everything now because uh, I know you had uh, a, your tour coming up um, and that's had to be postponed uh, again. Was it already rearranged once and it's going to be rearranged again? Is that right? Thankfully, this is the first time, but it's still a pain. It gives me more time to write it, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean... If anybody behind the, the curtain of show business doesn't realise that many comedians still haven't written their show by the time they've walked on. <laughs> We've just got ideas. That'll do. <laughs> so, Lee, what is next for you? What's uh, happening? Let's say the pandemic ended tomorrow. What's happening next for you? Well, Ability is getting broadcast on Radio 4 in February. So you can probably catch up with that on BBC Sounds. Yeah. The paperback version of my book, called I'm Only In It For The Parking, is coming out in March. Fab. So I'm excited to get my hands on that. And I'm also going on tour in 2022. All the dates are on my website, <laughs> which is lostvoiceguy.com. <laughs> <laughs> Anything for a plug, you're a media holy. This is what this is. <laughs> I bet that when I went on this morning, and they couldn't stop me. <laughs> That's true, yeah. I suppose, yeah, what are they going to do? They'll be headline <clears throat> you, Schofield lamps a disabled man. <laughs> <clears throat> You mentioned your paperback book is coming out. Um, you can get that on your website, I presume. Is that right? Yeah. Um, and how do you... Like, I've got no patience at the best of times. Did you have to be really, really... Um, what's the word? Where you just... You had to just really disciplined. That's the word. Very disciplined to sit down and write a whole book. Yes, I found it really hard, actually, because I was writing series two of ability at the same time. So it was quite stressful. But I got there in the end. I'm happy with it, but I wish I'd had more time to do it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, there you go. Next book you need now, Lee. That's <laughs> You're going to have to get the next book out. <laughs> I've got one final question for you, my friend. Who of your show business friends would you like to see on this podcast? I definitely think you should get Paul from the Chuckle Brothers on. I met him at the Royal Variety, and he's such a lovely man. His Instagram posts are always hilarious as well. Poor Chuckle it is. I've, I have seen that he's got a... Uh, 
he's brought out some merchandise. You might have seen this of uh, face masks um, of him and Barry saying two meter to you. <laughs> Brilliant. Excellent stuff. <laughs> Lee, lost voice guy. Thank you so much for coming onto the Cal Halbert podcast. My pleasure. The Cal Halbert podcast. Oh, that's the end of the podcast already, my friends. But I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please, please, please share it with all your friends and give us a subscribe so that you never miss a single episode. Have a look through our backlogs as well. I don't know when. See, the problem is I never know what order I'm going to put these out in. So have a look at the other podcasts that are out there. And if you can, give us five stars. That really helps us out. And I shall see you next week. The Cal Halbert Podcast. You've been listening to a Calvert Media production.